G'day and welcome to my preview of Warhammer The Old World. Now I know some of you are old Warhammer Fantasy Battles players thinking about dusting off your models and joining us in the old world. I know some of you are new to the game and you are unfamiliar with the setting. While I know some of you also have game stores or local clubs and there might be a lot of hype that you don't quite understand about this game. So in this video, I'm going to try to help you understand the old world, what you need to know to get started should you want to join us. And considering this is primarily an Age of Sigmar channel, hopefully point out some of the differences that might inspire you to start up with the old world. Now, Games Workshop did send me this book and all of the books actually in advance. Um, thank you so much, by the way. Um, really, really cool to spend my Christmas reading Ravaging Hordes, The Forces of Fantasy, the Legends PDFs, the Arcane Journals, and this rule book. And what you may not understand if you are uh, someone who doesn't quite know me personally is that I have a long history with Warhammer that back dates to the early Fantasy Battles edition. So that's how I started in the game. So it's not like I am going to stop making Age of Sigmar content. I absolutely love this setting and I love Age of Sigmar, but I do love the old world as well. And you may see some occasional videos. If you are inspired to go and pick up this book or the Forces of Fantasy or the, the, the Tomb Kings or the Bretonia boxes, um, I do have some affiliate partners, Warpfire Minis in the USA and Element Games in the UK. Uh, the link is in the episode description. Feel free to check them out, support the channel. And who knows, there might be some fantasy battles, battle reports down the track. Uh, you just never, never know. But without further ado, let me explain to you what you need to know about the old world setting and if you join us or not. So I want to kind of start off and, and set the scene here that I am not creating this video because I have been forced by Games Workshop who sent me some random content and expected me as a creator to create this video. I'm making this from a place from my heart and from passion because it's a setting that I absolutely love. My hobby journey started in Warhammer Fantasy Battles like I already mentioned earlier. I was pretty, uh, it was pretty vague setting and I, I didn't quite understand a lot of it because I started with the uh, video game, funnily enough, called uh, Shadow of the Horned Rat. So it was a video game loosely based around Warhammer. It was a great game, by the way, but definitely wasn't as deep as the lore kind of created. But it wasn't until I got to high school and I changed schools and I met up with a friend called Matt who would introduce me to the tabletop version of Warhammer. Technically, it was Floorhammer because we were playing on his carpet with the Bretonia versus Lizardman box set, using some book and using some glue for terrain. It was very lowbrow, but it was that one experience of playing with the Lizardman that really got me into the setting and it got me really trying to dig deep and learn more about the Warhammer world. And it got me into Blood Bowl, it got me into all the other games, and it's just a setting I absolutely love. And speaking of love, I found my love in the Empire. The Empire was just the pantaloons and the cod pieces and the beards and the gunpowder and all the craziness that was the Empire. I used my first paycheck when I was a 15-year-old working part-time at a fruit shop to buy my very first model, which was uh, the Grand Theogonus Volkmar the Grim when it was a metal model. I built up my force of the Empire one blister pack at a time three models to a regiment and i still have those models to this day the empire my empire funnily enough 
would go on and create some incredible battles on the tabletop with the undead against some of my great friends like Deke. I would paint my skeletons under candlelight watching WCW with a good friend Dave. I set up a games club with a bunch of friends as a 15-year-old and somehow was trusted, at the, had the keys of my local community center. And all the battles along the way as we went through the Albion and the Storm of Chaos settings and eventually the end times. So what exactly is the old world, you're probably wondering. Well, if you're unfamiliar with the game, you're probably wondering um, what is fantasy battles and what is the old world and how different is it to Age of Sigmar. And I guess the first explanation I'd probably say to you is that Warhammer the Old World is a mass battle fantasy tabletop war game. It's probably the first thing, right? Age of Sigma and 40k, through my experience, feels very much like a dynamic video game where you're attempting to maximize scoring your, your points through uh, securing objectives and scoring battle tactics. It's super dynamic, super fluid, you know, very go, 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 go. My experience with fantasy battles in the old world feels very much more like a game of chess where it's a much more, I'm sure I'm going to create some controversy in the, in the comments, but it feels much more like a strategic game on battlefield positioning, you know, units arm wrestling for control while attempting to make the opponent break, and it's rewarding generals who have um, a strong precision skill. This version of Warhammer compared to, say, 40k and Age of Sigma, you might hear as rank and flank, and that's due to the way that your models are ranked up uh, much like a traditional block of medieval history where you see blocks of troops, uh, they're, they're in regiments that are charging and countercharging, trying to stop giving up ground, using the flanks, holding the center in the board. You might have heard the term hammer and anvil in the past. It's definitely kind of come from this particular background. And the old world setting has been relaunched of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. So the uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles game is probably one of the oldest IPs or games at Games Workshop. Um, and you'll probably see a lot of excitement, enthusiasm when you think about how it's got 40 years of history. Um, Fantasy Battles started in 1983 and the game has certainly evolved. I think the early editions of the game were uh, had three players, actually. You have, you know, two armies and a game master very much inspired from Games Workshop's experience as a Dungeons and Dragons distributor. And, you know, that's kind of where Citadel Miniatures kind of started up. And this is not the Citadel Miniatures and Games Workshop history video, but it kind of shows you that there's a deep history. And through the additions of the game, um, rules have changed and modified in certain ways that the game has evolved. As I read through the book, as I read through the Old World book, I wasn't reminded of 8th edition. It wasn't just a reprint of 8th edition, which was the last edition of Fantasy Battles before the end times. To me, it felt like they went through all of these versions of the books, found the best rules and the things that you know we most enjoyed, and tried to package it up along with new game design, the things that we learned from Sigma, 40k, Middle Earth, Blood Bowl, Horus Heresy. And I feel like they've kind of packaged it up into very much what I think is a love letter. It's a love letter to us as the players. And for me, it got me inspired to rebase 200 of my state troops the minute I got this book. I read it and I thought, 
this is really cool and i'm look i did play uh during COVID especially i did re-pick up sixth edition and i was playing a little bit of sixth edition on the side but very much it feels like um they've weaved some interesting ideas and some new mechanics uh for example um one of them is that magic is no longer a particular phase so normally it used to be a phase like in age of sigma we have the hero phase but actually it's weaved throughout the game and different types of magic is uh is used at different types of the game that's just one example of the uh the differences between um some of the additions and what the new book is we'll go through more of this as you go but know that the old world and the warhammer fantasy battle setting is is deep uh in it's got a lot of nostalgia and a lot of rich history and you'll see a lot of black library books and there's a lot of character lore and there's a lot of uh stuff to draw upon from the setting so speaking of the setting let's actually talk about um where the game takes place so this game takes place warhammer the old world it takes place before age of sigma it takes place and and for any of you law buffs know that it goes the age of sigma the age of chaos and then the age of myth this is not the age of myth that's still the game age of sigma this was and you might have heard the term in the age of sigma law it's known as the world that was it's a time where the gods of the mortal realms like Morathi and Teclas were still mere mortals. They were still elves roaming around, doing their thing in the in the old world. If you played the game Warhammer Fantasy Battles or even Total War Warhammer, there'll be a sense of familiarity without deja vu. The game is full of the faction that you loved, Bretonia, Wood Elves, High Elves, Dwarves, uh, Tomb Kings and the Empire, except the old world is not set in a time of warhammer fantasy battles that we used to play so we played at a time that would eventually trigger the uh the end time spoiler alert sorry if you didn't know that but the destruction through archaeon leads the end times and then eventually we get the age of sigma the old world is set a few hundred years prior to the timeline that we played in warhammer fantasy battles it's not retconning what happened merely it, it's basically like a historical version of that and it's a few decades before one of the most important times in history with the great war against chaos and the siege of prague which kicked off really in 2301 ic it's a time where the mighty chaos lord azavar cool uh, who was the 12th ever chosen of chaos um the ever chosen funnily enough before archaeon and Azavar Kul would lead the forces of chaos, crusading south through Kislev and to the Empire of Men, creating one of the largest assaults against the realm of men. And to defend against the forces of chaos, you would find that the High Elves and the Dark Elves would be drawn into this bloody battle. The High Elves would eventually go and teach the Empire um, magic, and there's plenty of stuff happening with Bretonia and Tomb Kings as well at the time thus we are set in the old world by the way the old world is not the entire warhammer fantasy world merely just an area like a continent um, because you do have the old world you have the new world and you have the east so um, while some of these factions definitely like vampire counts and skaven and, and lizard men are not currently uh in the game it doesn't mean that this game won't move towards the new world and the east uh, who who knows now while i'm excited to explore the stories of the empire because that was my faction and um one of the exciting things that were happening at the time of the empire 
was that there was a civil war happening and eventually they would be unified by Magnus the Pious, who would eventually become the, the emperor. At the time, there was a, a, a bloody battle um, for the, the seat of the empire. Um, there's plenty of stories like this to be told, where it's uh, Luan, the orc slayer of Bretonia, um, and the uh, errantry wars that are happening in Bretonia, um, Cetra, and what was happening around the reemergence. And uh, while he was having a nice sleep, you found a lot of the barbarians and people were stealing his stuff um, from the Toon King Empire. So very much um, there was a reemergence and a reawakening of the Tomb Kings going to reclaim all of their stolen treasure. And a lot of this would play out around the Border Princes, so a little south from the Empire and Bretonia. But there's so many stories like this that are going to be told in the timeline. So I've kind of alluded a little bit earlier to the factions that are involved. So the old world as a game is going to launch with nine core factions. You'll have the Empire of Men, Empire. You'll have the Dwarf Mountain Colds. You'll have Bretonia. You'll have the Wood Elves, the High Elves. You'll have the Orcs and Goblins, the Warriors of Chaos, not to be confused with the Demons of Chaos. You've also got the Beastmen and the Tomb Kings. Now, all of these factions have been flagged to be featured in the initial story being told, and their rules will be either put into the Forces of Fantasy or the Ravaging Horde supplement. So this is where you're going to find all of your rules, um, your artifacts, your magic traits, your profiles, uh, your base sizes. Everything you need to know about your faction is going to be in one of those two books. In addition to all of that, the Tomb Kings and the Bretonia are going to launch with an Arcane Journal which is an additional set of rules that lay over either the Forces of Fantasy or the Ravaging Hordes that include special heroes from that faction. Now, you might be wondering, what about my faction? I was a, a big Dark Elf player. Um, does that mean I can play my Dark Elves? That's a great question. You absolutely can. And um, basically, all of the factions that were in 8th edition um, will be either involved through the Forces of Fantasy or the, um, the Ravaging Hordes, or they'll be supplied with um, PDFs, uh, free PDFs, uh, on the Warhammer community site, I imagine, and or the Old World website. So if you play your Dark Elves, your Skaven, your Vampire Counts, your Demons of Chaos, your Ogre Kingdoms, your Lizard Men, or your Chaos Dwarves, you will find supplementary rules available so you can join us as well. Uh, Dogs of War were not uh, on this list, and I don't recall them being an 8th edition uh, faction. I don't believe that they're going to be supported, but there's a lot of references in the book, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually included in some way or another. There's a lot of information around the Border Princes and um, Tilia and all of that region, and so uh, stay tuned. I'd love to see them re kind of revisit that, um, that faction or that, that area. If you're playing Age of Sigma, like most people on this channel, and you are thinking about your Stormcast Eternals, maybe your Dwarf models like your Caradron Overlords or your Fire Slayers, maybe Kragnos even, um, miniatures from the game Age of Sigma that weren't in Fantasy Battles, a lot of them were ported over, but um, a whole bunch of new stuff has come out. They will not receive rules from Games Workshop, so... Do not put your, your, your Stormcast Eternals on square bases. Uh, even though Sigma is involved in this setting, there is no Stormcast, which probably to the delight of all of the old world people um, will be okay. But 
it makes sense for the setting. There were definitely uh, no catalyst for, the, for them to be in the game. So speaking of Sigmar and, and all of his friends, the Warhammer Fantasy setting is littered with legendary heroes like Emperor Karl Franz, Balthazar Gelt, um, Azhag the Slaughterer, um, Archeon the Everchosen, King Luon the Onkara, Skarsnik, Grom the Ponch, Gracious Goldtooth. These are heroes that you either remember fondly or maybe if you were playing Total War Warhammer, uh, you recall them and they were your legendary hero that you played your game with. So it's probably worth calling out that the Old World setting is, as I mentioned, about 300 years prior to this timeline, which means that most of these heroes are yet to be born. Because they're yet to be born, they don't feature in the game. So Carl Franz, not in the game. But in their place, new heroes will be forged and you will find them in your arcane journals. So Bretonia has a couple of uh, new heroes. So uh, Sir Cecil, uh, the Worm Slayer, you have the new, uh, what looks like the, um, you've got uh, Lady Elise, as well as you do have the Green Knight. Now, the Green Knight being a legendary, uh, I guess, I wouldn't call him undead, but certainly more of a someone who's got a longer lifespan than the rest, uh, does feature in the game, while the Tomb Kings do have two additional heroes. Uh, no rules for Cetra, or at least I didn't certainly see Cetra yet, but you, you do have a couple of named heroes. I have no doubt in my mind that new heroes will get added to the factions, especially the core factions. And when they receive their arcane journals, I, for my empire, would expect some new sculpts to represent maybe the elected counts who are vying for the throne of the empire. Maybe in a campaign in the future, I will get a Magnus the Pious as well. Um, but I think definitely you'll see new heroes. As of our cool, for example, never had a model. So who knows what that will look like. And some of those uh, races that had longer lifespans, like your elves, your dwarves, even chaos, you may see some heroes return, but I guess we'll need to wait and see. Bellacor, for example, is a hero that was involved in um, the fantasy battles back in the day and definitely had a play around helping chaos with the with their ever-chosen. Uh, Teclas, for example, I already mentioned, had a pivotal role teaching the Empire about magic at the time they had very primitive hedge magic and it was through techless the high elves and eventually all of the the storm of uh, the uh, great war against chaos led to the um the the colleges of magic at the empire post the end of the the uh the great war against chaos so if you are coming from the uh, age of sigma and you're wondering how different the game is going to be compared to like what you play currently you will notice a plenty of differences there is no battle tactics there are no command points there's no endless spells and some people might cheer at this particular point but there are no priority roles in uh in the game it's back forth back forth so that's just to name a few of the differences the old world is set out and played in a traditional six battle round uh, the game is about three hours, um, so it's around a similar timeline of Age of Sigma when you're playing with your friends. And each turn, will, each player will play out their turns uh, through the following sequence. Starts off with the strategy phase where you do some of your enhancements and your, um, your hexes, as well as uh, attempting to rally any fleeing units. You then move to, to the movement phase, which is where you declare charges and charge reactions. So. Uh, you might know, say, for example, Unleash Hell, where it's like you charge into a shooting unit, well, they 
try to shoot you before you hit them in the charge. Um, fun funnily enough, you will notice here that uh, charging happens before movement. Um, so there's a couple little fun things there and um, that kind of plays out and there's, uh, there's spells that get cast in this particular phase as well. There's clearly movement following the shooting phase where you would, you would see traditional shooting, your war machines would shoot, you would cast magic missiles and magical vortex spells in this particular phase. And then finally the combat phase where you'd have your deadly hand-to-hand, -hand. you would, might use um, some other particular spells, assailment spells, um, and this is where you might uh, drive back or uh, break your opponent and they kind of retreat a little bit. And then once that kind of ends, the, uh, the, the, the player hands over their turn and it's the other person's turn. So no Battleshock tests or no Battleshock phase at least, uh, and certainly no hero phase. There's a lot of, again, you can kind of see some of the differences, uh, a lot of commonality, but certainly some differences. Some of the other differences I'd call out at this particular point is you will notice that, for example, when you look at your Age of Sigmar War Scroll that has that very static uh, to hit to wound profile. Um, clearly, obviously, you can buff them with all that attack and things like that. Um, the Old World and Fantasy Battles uses a uh, to hit chart uh, as an example, uh, but there's other charts and, and, and various strength test versus toughness. Uh, you compare weapon skill. So, for example, you know, imagine a goblin uh, trying to fight off against one of the mightiest warriors of the Old World. Um, to hit on a 2 plus seems ridiculous. Uh, so what you'll see here is a comparison where I compare my weapon skill against my opponent's weapon skill, and that will then determine um, what number I'm looking for in, or, in order to score a hit. Now, ones always fail, sixes always concede, and as I mentioned, it's not as complicated as it looks. I know probably for Age Sigma people, you look at that and just go, whoa, that's you know a lot more information than that traditional three up, three up, ren minus one for two damage. No, um, but you kind of work it out pretty quickly. A couple of other things I'd call out, but again, by no means is it the only differences. Um, you will notice that, you know, combat resolution and um, allocating wounds and trying to hold ground is critical. I mentioned it, it is the arm wrestle of combat. Um, and it's probably much harder in the old world because there is no inspiring presence to, to bail you out. Um, winning combat is going to start at, li at list building and it will influence the design of your army, you know, how many models you have in a unit because you want to have ranks and score bonuses to kind of hold the battlefield. Um, having the battle standard bearer or having magic banners to kind of keep your troops in combat. Um, you know, even counter charging and getting um, other units into the flank or the rear of your opponent or positioning yourself on a piece of terrain to generate higher ground. All of this stuff is a consideration when building and playing out in the old world. Finally, you've also got some, some excited returns, and that is uh, your templates. So some things that I really missed from Age of Sigma is your blast templates, so, um, and there's scatter dice. So you have an artillery dice and scatter dice, different types of dice. So how might this all play out? So there is a, a flame template you can see here. So for example, I'm using a dragon's breath. Um, it would use a teardrop-looking template, as you can see on the screen here, to represent the fiery breath attack across the horde of troops. Now, against a smaller unit, maybe it's one or two ranks, it's more of a, um, a screen-type unit, 
I might want to hit them from the side to kind of maximize that flame attack because otherwise hitting them from the front might just burn like three or four people. Your war machines like your, um, I know your rock lobbers or your mortars or um, there's various war machines out there that would use a blast template, whether it's a three or five inch circle blast template. And that represents the explosion and the shrapnel that hits the unit and often the center of the, the template might hit the brunt of the, the hit. So um, the, the center might take much more damage than the than everyone on the side, or there's a chance to hit everyone else that's not in the center. Some of these war machines are prone to inconsistencies and error, and that's where your scatter dice come into play. And you'll notice that the one of the dice will have a two, four, six, eight, ten misfire, as well as one is more of a direction dice. So depending on, for example, let's say your Goblin Dude Diver, you're, you're shooting your Doom Diver across and you hopefully, you, you, I don't know, your artillery man's pointing at a particular area on the board and you're trying to hit that point, the wind might blow the, the Doom Diver uh, to a different direction or you might fail the accuracy of, you know, picking the target or not enough weights on the war machine. And in order to represent all this, uh, you might find that there is a lot more uh, strategy and excitement when you make the shooting attack and then you have to incorporate an extra two, four, six, eight or 10 inches or maybe even a misfire. Um, or maybe it's the direction of, let's say for example, um, a particular shot might scatter or move slightly to the side where you may have incorrectly guessed. So either way, a um, lot of excitement and a lot of strategy that comes in to help you try to land that perfect shot. If you hadn't noticed from the game mechanics, the old world is a refreshing change from 40k and Age of Sigma. It's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. So as you go through the old world rulebook, you will notice that it isn't just a reprint of the 8th edition Fantasy Battles game. It is very much a hybrid of some of the best rules taken from the various editions and blended into a single game. I thought I'd call out some of the fun, interesting, and different rules that you might find fascinating if you've never played Rank and Flank Warhammer. When you build your list, you will pay for points by model, not by blocks of troops. So Age of Sigma players, you might know that you buy, buy your troops as a block of 5 or 10, and then you reinforce them and you basically double them in size. And how often have you have built a list and you're 5, 10, or 20 points over your match play limit? which means you can't take the block of troops that you wanted. Well, in the old world, I can just take an odd number of troops and um, take it without the bonus potentially. Um, there are still minimum sizes, but instead of going from a unit of 10 to 20 to 30, uh, as I would normally in my battle line, I could just go 10 to 19 and still stick within my points limit. There is no priority roll and no chances of a double turn. I know some of you hate the priority roll, and without it, the game does become a little bit more predictable as you attempt to set up the battlefield without being caught off guard with a priority roll that didn't go your way, or you failed a spell, or you were outside of an ability, and your opponent kind of catches you at a weak point. Still a lot of strategy behind it, but you're not going to get the surprise of losing that critical priority roll. A unit cannot shoot if it's engaged in combat. You can still stand and shoot if your opponent charges you, but then once you're in combat, you are fighting your way out in melee or you're fleeing to get out that shooting unit. 
In-game psychology is very important and you will see this represented through the rules. For example, if a unit that causes terror charges a unit, the, the unit that is receiving the charges must make an immediate leadership test. If it fails that leadership test, it must flee. So uh, I, I think that's incredibly fun, especially for the, the undead or the chaos and, and things that are very scary. Um, that should be represented on the table and the psychology definitely does that. Lookout Sir is a rule that you might be familiar with with Age of Sigma. It's more of a bodyguard rule here. So if you're uh, here, by the way, your troops join units. So it's not like your unit is independent. You could put a hero in the regiment. And if your opponent is trying to shoot out that hero, maybe with a magic missile or maybe with an artillery piece, um, you're basically your troops can basically jump in front and try to take the hit uh, instead of hitting that champion. So you'd, you'd roll a two up and uh, you would basically bodyguard that. A few other rules that I found incredibly exciting is that when you defeat an enemy unit in melee or um, they run away and you charge them down while they're fleeing, you will score victory points for claiming their banners as a trophy of war. Your generals and your battle standard bearers are some of the most important characters in your army list because your general's leadership can be used uh, within range instead of the, your generic troops and your battle standard bearer will allow you to have plenty of uh, re-rolls for leadership-based tests. Probably the last rule I'd call out at this particular point, and one of my all-time favorites, although I was probably on the receiving end negatively more often than I, than I won this one, that your, your troops and your champions can issue a challenge. So uh, my, my block of troops with my hero is in combat with a other block of troops and a hero that hero could challenge that hero for one-on-one -on -one combat. Now, if I accept the uh, the challenge, I move them to the side and the, the, the heroes fight one-on-one. -on -one. Um, if I decline the challenge, my hero is a bit of a scaredy cat, goes to the back of the regiment and has no, um, no involvement in the combat until it's all done. I say that I lost more than I won because I'm the Empire and my heroes are just generic and the amount of times that my friends Deke and Dave would challenge me with the vampire lord with a captain of the empire nine times out of ten I lost that one so um, either I would cower or I just knew that that hero was going to die or I tried to avoid that vampire lord like the plague. List building has a lot of commonality between 8th edition. Um, you have points limits. And by the way, Age of Sigma players, you will probably see familiarities here between our leader slots, behemoth slots, uh, battle line restrictions, and minimum for, for spend if you're, you're using match play. But when you create a grand army, you will notice that you have up to 50% of your points can be allocated to your characters. 25% uh, at minimum need to go into your core troops, which would be the equivalent of battle line. You have units that are deemed as special units. Uh, you then have units that are deemed as rare units. So uh, up to 50% can go into your special, 25% can go into rare. Um, you can access mercenaries and allies as well. And each of the factions will have different uh, mercenary or ally options. Uh, you will notice there are some differences between 8th edition and Old World. For example, your heroes are not split out between lords and heroes. They're just purely characters. Age of Sigmar players would be familiar with this concept called Armies of Renown, 
where it's a thematical force composition that has options and restrictions. Uh, and through that, you also receive some unique benefits that you wouldn't get in a normal army. So for example, my Sons of Behemoth, I've got my normal book, uh, although I now have my new King Broad Stomp. I can't take certain battalions, I can't take certain builds, but I do get a bunch of benefits by going King Broad Stomp. The old world has a very similar concept known as a army of infamy. Now you can find your armies of infamy in your arcane journal. And we have seen this in the past in fantasy battles, like in the army of Sylvania, as well as the errantry war armies that can be found in the storm of chaos campaigns. There were other ones in the end times, but we won't go there. An example in the old world is a errantry crusade army. Uh, at the Army of Infamy for Bretonia. And when you look on the screen, you will notice that there are some differences. You can see that the unit limits are, are different. What is deemed as a core and a special is different. You will see some restrictions, uh, changes between the Bretonian Grand Army and the, er uh, the Errantry Crusade Army. And you'll also find some additional rules like the Crusading Knights, the Crusader's Zeal, the Crusader's Vows, and Earn Your Spurs which aren't available in a Grand Army of Bretonia, as well as some unique magical items to represent that um, faction uh, if you should want to play that way. One of the things that I love from the Warhammer Fantasy setting is the ability to customize my army, especially customizing my heroes. If you've come from Age of Sigma, you may not know that there was a time where you can pay extra points to improve your heroes. So as, as you can see on the screen here, uh, I'm able to tweak my character in a variety of ways where I can tweak the weapon options that gives me new rules or boosts to my profile. An example is if I made my uh, General of the Empire with a great weapon, uh, that would improve the strength of my, uh, my hero by two and would give me the armor piercing rule of a rend minus two equivalent. But the trade-off here is I would have to strike last given how hard it is to swing a great hammer versus a, I don't know, a sword and shield. Uh, speaking of shields, I can improve my armor save. So, you know, in my case, my guys come in with a standard 6 plus save because they're wearing light armor. Should I upgrade them to heavy armor, that turns to a 5 plus. Plate mail turns it into a 4 plus. A shield, if I give it a shield, would improve the save by 1. And if I put it on a barded warhorse, that would also improve my save by one. So uh, lots of ways that I can stack up and generate additional boosts to fully represent that heroic um, leader that especially I want my general to be. I could give it a pistol for a 12-inch shooting attack at strength four. I can equip it with a magical weapon, magical armor, or a talisman um, up to the value of 100 points for a general or 50 points for a captain your faction will have its own rules and its own uh, points limits. So uh, the empire doesn't completely represent every faction. And if I want to put it on a mount, let's say a barded war horse just isn't heroic enough for me. I could put it on a Pegasus, a Demigriff or a Griffin. Again, this is specific for the empire. When you look at other factions, you might be able to put it on a dragon or a manticore or some other monster, which is really cool. So at this particular point of the video, if you're like, I'm in, this sounds really exciting, how do I get involved? 
Well, there's a couple of ways you can get started in the old world. And by the way, as I mentioned earlier, if you are thinking about buying it, please consider helping the channel. Warp Fire Minis in the USA, Element Games in the UK. Link is below in the episode description. There might be an Australian one coming pretty soon. Look at the link. But if you've got an existing army in uh, Warhammer Fantasy, you're someone like me who um, still kept onto their old models, or uh, if you're also like me and your Cities of Sigma range was recently re removed and uh, my traditional swordsmen or my free guild guard or my handgunners or my demigriff knights that were in the old Cities of Sigma book and as of the latest edition is no longer, um, I could just rebase them and bring over that existing force pretty easily. If you want to start a new army, there are two boxed armies available on launch. One is Bretonia, the other is Tomb Kings. Um, the, it's unclear right now what's going to happen with High Elves, Orcs and Goblins and all the other factions. I don't imagine they'll be available on the Warhammer website. Your local game store might have some old stock if you are lucky. Um, I would not probably go to eBay, to be brutally honest. The pricing can be uh, pretty crazy at times, especially with some high demand. You might just be better waiting for the Arcane Journal, or maybe you get lucky and you snag uh, a really great deal. But um, either way, it's up to you. If you can snake a deal and you know how to strip miniatures, grab something off online, or maybe you find people who are not interested in fancy battles. Uh, this might be the time they sell their armies and they'll be happy to just pass it on. So uh, fingers crossed for you. But otherwise, uh, I imagine all of those core armies will get a box like this probably over the next 12 to 18 months. One of the most popular questions I kind of noticed online is base sizes. And the good news is, is that in each of the uh, unit profiles, so in your Arcane Journals, your, um, your Forces of Fantasy and your Ravaging Hordes, you will find a, a base size for each unit. Now, you, and it's also on the PDFs, by the way. So if you are using a Legacy Army, um, they're also on the PDF as well. Some base sizes have changed. I've used Christmas to rebase all of my Empire State Troops from a 20 by 20 mil square to a 20 by 25. And that makes complete sense because when I originally bought my State Troops in 4th edition, they were definitely smaller than the most recent version, which were available in 8th edition. So putting them on 25 mil squares, they actually look really nice. Go check out my Twitter if you want to see some pictures. If you play with your friends casually, you won't need to rebase your army. Um, you may even find movement tray converters in the future to help you spread out your models on a movement tray without rebasing. Alternatively, you may want to rebase. And on the screen here, there is some examples of um, the types of troops and what types of bases they're on. But again, uh, you can check out your, your, your profiles uh, in your books for the exact list of every particular unit and what base size they're on. I, I do want to address something that, you know, I, I've seen some claims that the old world is going to be a flash in the pan and, you know, they're going to get some quick box games workshop. There's going to be limited support available. And my opinion from a future expectations of this game point of view is, is that this probably couldn't be further from the truth. Unlike Curse City, I think this game is going to be really well supported over the years by Games Workshop. I don't think it'll ever replace 40k or Age of Sigma. These are core games. 
but I think it has the potential to be one of the most popular specialist games along with Horus Heresy and Middle Earth. And I think actually through Horus Heresy and Middle Earth, we might see some examples of how this game might play out. Over the next 18 months, I would probably predict that you will see the remaining seven factions like the Empire, Wood Elves, Warriors of Chaos and Orcs and Goblins get their arcane journals and a shiny new box with some new models and some heroes like your Tomb Kings and your Bretonia ones that are coming out at launch. I think the way that a lot of these armies will come out is through campaign books and support. I think you will see, as I mentioned, you know, the Great War Against Chaos and the aftermath of the Great War Against Chaos or the Errantry Wars or Tomb Kings getting their stuff back. I think you will see the roadmap has already played out with Heresy, Middle-Earth and Blood Bowl on how they continue to add these books and these campaigns and evolve the narrative. Um, the, I think the path is already there and White Dwarf will probably add some extra rules as we go along as well. I think you'll start to see the excitement will manifest in events and your, st your local store will probably start hosting one-day events. You'll start to see more independently run events and potentially some conventions as well will start to either rebrand their fantasy battles tournaments. I know there's been some underground 6th edition, 8th edition, WAP type games. I think you'll start to see the old world will, will kick off. And if it's not at your tournament now, you might find later in the year it is. I also think there'll be an incredible amount of support through Black Library as the Warhammer Fantasy series continues to remain popular even at the death of the old world and um, there's new stories to tell. There is new stories to tell and um, there are new heroes to be born and new um, exciting battles to play out. I can see Black Library and they've already announced a few by the way at launch. This Bretonia on screen as an example but I imagine there's going to be plenty coming out as well. And I think, you know, we as a community just need to be patient. I know it's frustrating. Um, I want my Empire Arcane Journal and my new models just as much as you do. Uh, I empathize if you are somebody who is playing uh, a legacy army. You know, I know a lot of passionate Dark Elf players, for example, and Skaven players want to get their models on the table. And I empathize with you. Um, I do think that they will come back in due time. Uh, we just need to play it out and remember that there, we are bringing back a game that has been in retirement for, for 10 years. So uh, this does take a little bit time, but um, support the process and we'll have an uh, incredible game in the years ahead. Speaking of the games in the years ahead, um, while it is unclear of the roadmap of if the Chaos Dwarves will ever get a book and, and what that would look like, I think some factions are closer to seeing uh, a future than others. Kislev being a perfect example and Kislev and Cathay being supported by the Total War series through Creative Assembly. What you may or may not recall is in March 2020, you saw uh, Warhammer community starting to preview Kislev and you could kind of dismiss that as a Total War 3 preview but actually it was previewed under the Old World banner. You saw sketches like the Bear Cavalry and your Ice Archers, which were co-created through Creative Assembly, things that weren't in the game before. But I think there's enough demand, especially for, Ka uh, for Kislev, because the Great War Against Chaos is at their doorstep and there's going to be a lot of defence. Who knows, by the way, 
we might even see Warhammer Siege return and we might see the Siege castles and the attacker defender sets come back. It was a vital faction in the Great War Against Chaos and I'll be quite confident to see them return maybe after all those other seven core factions have got their arcane journals. I do think down the line some of those legend armies could be reintegrated as a core faction. Uh, Vampire Counts, Dark Elves and Skaven are probably the first ones that I would predict to be a core faction as they were either based in the old world, so your Vampire Counts and your Skaven were in the old world, but your Dark Elves were also, yes, technically they were in the new world, but they were quite active as a, um, a key ally to Azabar Kul during the Great War Against Chaos. So um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Dark Elves brought in in some manner. You will also see some of that aftermath of the Great War Against Chaos. So once the Old World story is complete, remembering the Old World is just one kind of area of the total map, um, who knows, We maybe we, may we go west to the New World and we spend some time with the lizard men the dark elves and the skaven or we go east which is where the ogres and cafe and the chaos dwarves kind of reside i hope this video has been helpful for you to understand the old world and if it's something that you're going to get involved in while i would have loved to have gone into all the details of the rules for you i know most of you listening to this video are not coming from a warhammer fantasy background or it might have been a number of years, maybe over a decade, since you last looked at your rules. And I thought that this might be a little bit too much too soon and a little bit overwhelming. But fear not, if you enjoyed this content and you appreciate me looking at the old world and you want to see more coverage, please let me know in the video description because this channel is a primarily Age of Sigmar content and know that I will be playing old world it's something, whether I'm doing videos about it or not, it is something that I will be playing um, and I am thoroughly you know, invested in the world. I won't be switching the content. I won't be turning off Age of Sigmar. I'm not going to automatically just switch and stop. Uh, Age of Sigmar is still a game that I absolutely love and um, I'm traveling halfway around the world to go to the Las Vegas Open and that is not going to change. I love the community, but I also can love the old world. Um, if you are thinking about buying it, you know, do check out the affiliate links, help out the channel, grab yourself one of the boxes, the books, um, support, and uh, who knows, as I mentioned, battle reports, including maybe uh, old world battle reports may, may come down the line. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know, and uh, I'll chat to you all later. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spellcast.